0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Abundant Wellness Podcast. Um, today, we have the immense privilege of having Kara Riska, the creator and host of the Special Needs Mom Podcast, um, as well as the owner of um, owner and founder of several different life coaching. Uh, practices that she gets to utilize with not just the special needs moms community, but business coaching um, and uh, a whole lot of other things within that realm. So Kara, I'm super excited to have you on here today. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to be here.
1: Well, it's my privilege. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to have this conversation with you because I found your podcast at a time where I really needed the encouragement. I really needed to know that i wasn't alone in this new journey that we were on as kind of discovering who we are as a family now that we have a child with special needs and it just you know not not just hearing your story but the women that you brought on the style of you know coaching and questions that you asked them really just created this very nurturing safe place for me to go, like, you know, we live a state, you know, two states away, but it's like a place for where I could go if I was having a day that I'm like, I just need to know that I'm not alone in this. And so I'm excited to have you on here today because I want to pick your brain about some common struggles that we as special needs moms face, how to find resilience, how to find strength and support um, in those areas. But I'd love for you to share whatever you're comfortable sharing about your journey, um, with your family and kind of what brought you to launching that podcast and creating that space for people.
1: Yeah. Well, I will obviously, you know, it's a, it's a long journey. And so I'll share the really condensed version. So in a very short, uh, story version, um, I have four children, uh, and, um, 12 years ago, um, at the time I had, uh, two children and I was pregnant. Um, my at the time 2-year-old son got uh, diagnosed with brain tumor. So, you know, like you can only imagine like our world just crumbled. Um really had never faced anything like this with anybody close to me. Um and here it is my essentially baby. Um, I'm also pregnant at the time, right? So it was it was it was um it took quite a few years to recover, let's say that. So he, uh, is profoundly affected by the impact of the tumor. And, um, so we, all of a sudden became, went from having a very typical family to a very non-typical family. And I would describe myself as naively under-resourced because I, um, I just did not have the, um, it's not maturity, um, I got away with having a little bit of a sloppy um, relationship to myself and to my emotions and to all of it and even to God. And so I got away with it up until then. And then this happened and I was like, uh-oh. like "Uh Oh, like, and this is right. way, <laughs> way beyond the skill level I have. And of course yeah. I didn't know that at the time, but right. what I knew at the time was that, I, Oh my gosh, like I was so dysregulated. I felt like I was spinning, literally spinning all the time. I would go into doctor's offices and I'd have the fluorescence lights on me and I would just feel like I was out of my body, but I didn't have the words for it at that time. I literally just thought there was like something medically wrong with me. Um, and I can only imagine how much money I spent trying to fix myself. Um, so I came to learn and to understand that um, I I just needed more support and support specifically in understanding how to process my own emotions, to understand what was going on, to step out of feeling like it was all happening to me and as a victim, and to really kind of understand how to take about my power. Um, and I know that sounds a little bit cliche, but really to understand about um, how not to just feel so helpless all the time when yeah. in reality, we are completely helpless against some of the, th- some of the things that happen to our, ourselves and our children. And so fast forward a little bit. Um, I started my journey as a coach about seven years ago. So I was like, I don't know, I guess five years into the whole uh, being a mom um, of a special needs child. And I thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool to be a coach. And I had zero intention uh, I love business. That's like what I loved. I love business. I've loved we, limit women in leadership. Like it really just excited me. And so I thought, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to start coaching. And I, you know, jumped into a very extensive training program and coached for several years and had the idea of coaching special needs moms. But I was like, who am I? Like, I, I'm i not there yet. Um, but it was one of those emails from school um, that I got. And um, it was just those, that moment where I'm like, okay, like, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone in how I am experiencing these kinds of struggles. And so it was through that and some combination of conversations with some coaching colleagues that I was like, I have to coach this community. Like this is the community that needs coaching more than anybody. Um, so I started coaching, um, parents, um, mothers specifically of, of children with all different disabilities. Um, And then, of course, uh, about two years ago, my son uh, got diagnosed with recurrence. So Mm -hmm. I was rocking and rolling. I was like living my best life as a coach. Um, It was, you know, obviously like, you know, I had four kids. So like, not like I was like streaming through unscathed, but, you know, I was in a good spot. And so, you know, kind of had to do another little refresh of like, okay, wow, this is challenging my skills again. I'm getting to actually really live all the things that I teach and I guess preach. Um, So that was about two years ago. And I think you asked me when we got on the call, like, how are things going? I'm like, you know what? Like, it's still kind of (laughs) hard if I'm honest, like we're not rocking and rolling yet. Um, you know, not everything's hard. There's some wonderful things in my life, but there's certainly some things that are, you know, really pushing me up against, um, some challenges, some, some upsets and anger and sadness. So absolutely, that's that's that.
0: That was a beautiful, a beautiful nutshell. And I think, It kind of leads into the, you tackled it when you were talking about not feeling helpless when you are helpless. Cause there's the reality that most of us, when we, you know, we enter the realm of like, okay, now I'm in special needs parenting land. I have to learn a whole new language. I have to learn like how my life is different now, how my family's life is different now. That feels, I mean, that would be, that would remove the grounding for anyone, Like, I mean, it's like going to a foreign country really, but like most times when you travel to a foreign country, you get to go home
1: (laughs) and and, and and I would say, and your life's not threatened or the, or the life of your child. Right. right? Most of the time, some kind of, exactly.
0: So a little bit different circumstances, unless you're like fleeing for your life for some ungodly reason, but it, it brings us back to that place of, we don't know when we get to leave or if we ever get to leave this new territory that we're in and that alone can create feelings of like helplessness and anxiety. And, you know, we were chatting beforehand and you, you mentioned this a little bit about emotional regulation, because I think most of us as moms, we would say we're feeling stressed. We would say, we would use words like I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm tired all the time. We wouldn't use the word I'm dysregulated. But Mm -hmm. the reality is, is that if you're in fight or flight, which most of us are because of the nature of how we have to care for our children, um, we are dysregulated. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, I think it's important actually to even to back up all the way to understand why we feel, why we have emotions. The reason we have emotions is so that our body, our actual physical body knows what to do and when. So mm-hmm. let's just use like, you know, like the whole, um, example of like, if there's a threat out there, like if there's a lion coming towards you, you feel scared when you feel scared, your body activates, it gets energized, it goes into action. And this would be where you probably would fight or flee, hopefully flee. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. Yes. And so if you just think about that simplicity of like, the reason we have feelings and emotions is to inform our body on what to do. And so I think that's really helpful to establish that because it, um, it creates feelings as an ally, as a resource, as an, an information path for us rather than a problem. I mean, Mm -hmm. for, for myself, like I, uh, prior to like, you know, like me fast, like, you know, rewind about 12 years ago, I'd be like, you know, like you're supposed to be happy about 90% of the time. And then like maybe 10% of the time, like we can make room for, for like, you know, maybe some sadness or some anger or, or whatever. Right. um, But really a complete misunderstanding of like emotional balance and like actually that no, like there's going to be negative and what we would perceive as negative and positive all the time. So I think it's important to establish why we feel, um, and recognize that our feelings don't come directly from circumstances. They come from the interpretation of what the circumstance means. So, Mm -hmm. um, another example would be, If we see somebody at the door, you know, let's just say, you know, I work from home, let's say someone comes to the door and I don't know them and they're knocking on the door. Well, I might interpret that as, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. They're going to break in. Right. Or I might interpret it as, oh, they must have a package for me and it's really important and maybe I'm excited. Right. Mm -hmm. So whatever, whatever information and and data I have coming into whatever circumstance I'm coming into, we're going to interpret it differently. And the reason it's important to distinguish those two things is because when we believe that we have to feel a certain way in any given circumstance, we are powerless. Mm -hmm. We have no ability to control that circumstance. So therefore we're going to go wherever we think emotionally, where that circumstance, where we, where it's leading us. And if we don't learn to distinguish why we're feeling what we're feeling, And this, again, comes from our relationship, what we think about the thing that's happening. So there's that, right? So that's kind of a good baseline to understand. So then, so this is all happening, right? And it's happening like subconsciously, like we're not actively thinking about it until we learn to kind of bring it to our conscious mind. Then we have our nervous system, our actual nervous system. And you mentioned fight or flight, you know, that's a nervous system response. It's not an intellectual right. response. That's what I think is important to distinguish here. But I think um, it's important to recognize what state we're in. So you talked about dysregulation. And I think a lot of us will find ourselves um, in a situation, perhaps, I'll use an example from just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm trying to think what happened. I think it was something with a medical something or another. There was some, oh no, actually it was, it was a home construction thing. And it, it happened in the afternoon where I became aware of like some significantly financially impacting problems that we were having with the home remodel thing. And it really, really activated me. Right. And I use activated mm-hmm. for like, it really um, threatened what I thought was like my well being, which is like money in my bank account. Yeah. Um. And so I went to go pick up my kids and they were asking me questions and I was like, not really there. I was there. I mean, I was driving my car um, and picking them up. I was going through the motions, but I was really, really not able to be there. Like it took me an immense amount of focus to be able to even barely function. So I can recognize that as, wow, I'm really, really activated and dysregulated because I'm very upset about this thing. So yeah. Being able to recognize when we're dysregulated is the critical part of then asking our questions of asking ourselves the question, what do we need? This is a question right. that is a simple question. It's kind of a hard question. In my opinion, I actually still have a really hard time answering that question a lot of the time. But again, if we don't even recognize there's something going on, like we we don't have access to asking that question. And so when we recognize these patterns, or not even patterns, these moments or these instances of dysregulation, when we recognize we're not hearing people, when we recognize we're just not feeling present, when we have that out of body experience that I described in the doctor's office, where I just didn't, right. I, I felt yeah. so disconnected to my body. Um, those kinds of moments, they're all examples of dysregulation. So, um, I'll pause there to kind of, you know, I haven't, a, I've, I've, a well caffeinated today. I'm very excited. I <laughs> love this it. Topic. So I'll pause there I to love it. kind of what, what, um, where you, where you want to go with that.
0: No, I think that, I think you explained it really well because it's most, like I said, most of us wouldn't describe it as dysregulated. We would use any other word, like I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed. I am overstimulated. I'm, but those are all actually signs of dysregulation, right? And so if we can become aware of that, um, and this is something that I've really had to learn in practice over the years is how can I get my, my frontal lobe, to Mm -hmm. engage with my nervous system and engage with the feelings and become aware of what's happening in my body. And one, just maybe practice some simple deep breathing to kind of get Mm -hmm. myself out of that space. And we'll talk about different strategies that we can use to do that. But if I'm not aware that it's happening in the first place, uh, it's going to be very, very hard to shift out of that. And then the other thing that I wanted to share with that is that a lot of it, two things. If we believe that we should be happy all the time under Mm -hmm. all of these circumstances that are extremely emotionally painful, not, not just emotionally painful, but emotionally stressful and financially stressful and stressful in the marriage. Like that's not an appropriate emotional response. We should feel how we feel (laughs) based on the circumstances. So even saying something like, you know what, I will stop myself and I'll put my hand on my heart and I will say, this is really tough. Mm-hmm. I'm really uncomfortable right now. I hate mm-hmm. this feeling of anxiety in my body, but that's actually a normal response to this kind of stressor. So I'm okay. And do a little bit of that, like trying to trying to get my brain to talk to my frontal lobe and calm things down, right? But if we believe, if we have that belief that we have to have it all together all the time and we have to be strong and whatever it is that I'm sure as you're coaching women, we each kind of have our own, like hardwired thought process that kind of tends to pop up in there, that belief of what we should be
1: mm-hmm. that
0: really keeps us from engaging with the emotions and then regulating. Would you say that that's true?
1: Well, yeah, and I think um, you've talked about something really important here, and you've talked about engaging with the frontal lobe. And here, especially in our culture, in our society, you know, we really value intellect. We value education, we value our mind. But we've kind of forgotten the whole thing about our whole body, and this happens. Yep. Like if you um, this is something where you know I I I'm a Christian, and so I go to church, and we see this all the time. There's a huge emphasis on your spirit, maybe yes. on your mind, but like the body is like well, that doesn't matter that much. It's like fine, but yeah. like that's not actually biblical, and so right. <laughs> so actually right. it was early on before I really became again, aware of any of this that I um, actually I was having a ton of physical symptoms during my pregnancy, when my son was first diagnosed and in the hospital and I couldn't take any medication for it because I was pregnant. And so I went to an acupuncturist and it was really when it became so clear to me that what was happening in my body was a manifestation of what was happening in my mind and my spirit and all the things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so the reason I mention all that is because, because we've, we kind of have forgotten and left behind the body. We try to solve all of these issues of dysregulations with our mind. Yes. And, and that is where we go wrong because mm-hmm. when we try to solve it in our mind, we actually just work ourselves up more and more and more. Right. We can't, you don't, you don't emotionally process with your mind. You emotionally process with your body. Right. So a lot of us, have Good. never practiced this. We were never taught this. And, and I still have the experience because of, you know, kind of where I came from. When I go and turn to my body to really pay attention, I'll just get like silence. I won't actually connect. It takes me a second to really connect to what's happening mm-hmm. in my body, which I've learned not to panic about. I'm, there's, I'm not broken. It's fine. Everything's yeah, okay. Right? It's still there. I'm very functional, <laughs> right. but it used to really work me up. Um, like I must, I really must be broken. Um, but the body is, I think sometimes the, uh, best place to start because if we start in our mind, um, again, we'll likely just work ourselves up and we'll totally miss the part that actually allows us to process emotions. So where I like to start with, um, when somebody myself or somebody else is really dysregulated i like to start with anything that doesn't involve our mind so this mm-hmm. is actually things like breathing you mentioned breathing some breathing does involve your mind because you're kind of, it's more of a mm-hmm. meditation type of breath right there's some breathing that's purely phys- physiological where it just really taps into the very well known and understood patterns of your body to cue your body that you're okay. And so, this right. is what we're trying to do is when we're re regulating, or I should say, yeah, undisregulating, I don't know what, what we say there, um, you're telling your body that you're safe. Right. And when in, we can't process these higher level intellectual things when we are unsafe, like it just right. you can't do it. Because the first thing that turns off, is I think is so interesting if you have a lot of yeah if for the listeners if you have struggles in your relationship especially with your husband or spouse um when you're dysregulated the first thing to turn off is your hearing mm. so like your ears are actually still functional right like they're going to hear okay. big noises they're going to hear the things but you're com- computation of information, like really shuts down. Goes out
0: the window, right? Goes
1: out the window, right? So it's like, you're, you're thinking that you're functioning as a full human, but you're actually not. You're functioning as somebody um, that's not feeling safe. So they're not taking more information in, they're trying to just get safe. Okay. So like I said, I like to start with the body. So that's things like breathing. It's things like tapping. I don't know if you're familiar with EFT tapping, yeah. my guess is that you are. Mm-hmm. And that um, they're, we do bring intellect into that certain parts of it, but it really, really heavily just taps into your nerve, like literally taps into your nervous nervous system. system. Yeah. So that can be really, really helpful. Um, and then there's another exercise that I absolutely love, but it definitely is harder to get people to do this one. And it's called shaking and dancing. And you Mm. literally shake like a wild worm, like shake your body out and you can do it to whatever music you want, but like, really, I'm going to say aggressively shake. And you Mm -hmm. shake it out. And this just allows your nervous system to complete the cycles that it started of fear and upset. This one is particularly helpful when I've had a really hard morning with my son and his behavior, because in the moment I got to keep my stuff together. I can't, or I should say, I choose not to process it in the moment because I just want to get through it. I'm surviving it. Right. But then- you know, I get the kids to school. I get get you know done, gonna go start my day. But I'm again, I'm feeling out of sorts. just I'm upset, but activated a little bit, yeah, activated exactly. And so this allows me to process that in a way that just feels very connecting. So what happens for me, and I think a lot of people, when you're re-regulated is you feel very connected to yourself. You feel you're embodied, like you're inside of your body in a way that feels comfortable and safe to you. So that can be a really, really helpful thing. And then I think also like, I think one thing that comes to mind is connecting, like connecting with other human beings is very regulating. Sharing Mm -hmm. your story is very regulating being witnessed in wherever you are like upset, sad, happy is very regulating. So mm-hmm. all of these things, and there's a lot of different ways to of course process emotions that I, I teach my clients, but I think that's a good start kind of talking about um, some of those Absolutely.
0: Options. Well, they're great options because they're things that you can do fairly in the moment. Like they're mm-hmm. not required, let's say, you know, maybe you are getting counseling or maybe you're doing some trauma work to really work through, because this is the thing as a special needs mom, our, our likelihood of developing something like complex ptsd is pretty high it, mm-hmm. it i would say very commonly but it's very commonly misdiagnosed or under underdiagnosed as just a generalized anxiety disorder but really it is you know it is more in the realm i would say of complex ptsd um i'm not a di- diagnostician so don't hear me like diagnosing you but i'm just saying that does require different tools mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. Even if we're in therapy and we're going and we're getting regular support, which most of us are going to need at, at one or various points throughout the journey, we still need to have a day to day right. That are going to help us to move through that process while we're working through kind of some of the bigger things. So I love those strategies. Um, and it is something that, you know, I, I teach a lot of my clients as well. Like, what can we do in the moment? Get your breath going, you know, Mm -hmm. don't, don't be focusing so much on your thoughts. It's very hard to have, like you said, logical, you know, I can hear logic chirping away at me, telling me I'm going to be fine and everything's okay. But the rest of me is so activated that it's not going anywhere. And it's because we're, we're addressing the wrong, Part of the body um, when we try to do that. And usually, once we regulate, then you'll start to notice your thoughts are calmer. They're more, you can actually plan, Mm -hmm. you can actually come up with a problem solving solution instead of, you know, freaking out and doing all the things that we do kind of on the way to getting there.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So, in the realm of support, what are some things? Because that that you find have been helpful for you along the journey to really gain not just the internal resources that you need for the length, the duration of the journey that we all know is unpredictable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some resources that you've used for yourself? And within that, I think it would be good for us to talk about how to overcome the challenges to actually getting those supports too, because I think that's probably the bigger hurdle, (laughs) at least it was for me, uh, when we're allocating all of our resources, you know, to getting our child better. Um, how do we reallocate some of that to ourselves when we need it?
1: Yeah. I think that's a really, really, really good thing to look at because I think, um, you know, if all the things are out there, but we don't feel like we can access them, we, we haven't really gotten anywhere. Well, I'd say if I just start with the things that have been most supportive to me, I would say obviously coaching, you know, like I'm not just a coach. I'm also a client. And so I feel like, um, building up those tools, those skills, um, capabilities that I didn't have before has been profoundly helpful. Turns out having somebody else reflect back to you, what you might not see yourself. It's like you're looking in a mirror, right? Like yeah, I'm sure I could do my makeup pretty well, like not having a mirror because I've done it like a million times, but I'm sure there would be some things that would have been beneficial to have a mirror, you know, helping yeah, me see what good, I may not see on my own. So that's coaching in a nutshell. I think the mm-hmm. other thing that stands out as a major, major, major support for me then and now is community. And so mm-hmm. my community looks, um, you know, I'm fortunate that actually I feel like I have a very, um, Complex in a good way, community. I have groups from college. I have groups from high school, local, afar, um, and then I have a very rich. I mean, I I I feel like one of the byproducts of the podcast is like I get to be at the epicenter of this community, and I feel like, um, I don't know, like it's it's um immeasurable. I think on the gifts that that gives me. So, um, community of being amongst people, women who really understand. Um, and could hold space for where you're at without trying to change or fix you. And so this is also why I coach in community uh, for the special needs mom program I have, because um, like, I mean, I wish I had a um, there. I'm sure there is scientific studies on this, and I wish I had them to reference. But what I can say experientially is that the power of witnessing another human being experiencing what you're experiencing yet when you're experiencing, you have shame and judgment and a lot of thoughts and feelings about it. But when you're Mm -hmm. witnessing another human, you have compassion. Compassion is easier. Kindness is easier. Yes, You totally can see, wow, that's really hard. And so being in that space where you're witnessing that, I think brings more access to being able to witness it for yourself and be like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah. So maybe I'm, maybe I don't need to be so hard on myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe I need to recognize that all I need is grace right now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so where are we going? So community, I think is a huge thing, I think. Um, and that is one where um, there are both completely free resources and there's paid resources, right? And this is one where I'd say, um, more important than actually. Um, well, let me back up. So one of the impediments I think is um, time and money, right? So Absolutely. one we feel like we don't have that time bandwidth, and then we don't have that that financial bandwidth. And the way that I look at that is that um, a lot of us try to when we're looking to create something, we start with how, like how we're going to do it. And Mm -hmm. we usually get tripped up because we don't see how, we don't know how, we don't have the thing, So of course we don't know how. So really kind of reversing it and saying, well, what are you trying to create? And getting really clear that you're trying to create support. And so maybe support looks like coaching or community or therapy. That's one I didn't mention for myself. Medication, like for me has been really, really helpful for my mental health. Absolutely. and so recognizing, okay, well, what I'm trying to create, and I'll use myself as the example, is I'm trying to create a non-anxious, no, um a well-balanced <laughs> I we'll joke, start there an, That's anxiety, like to start. anxiety is relatable. Like I am still I'm still still, I mean, I still have very anxious days. Um mm-hmm. Even with as many tools and resources and, and how much yeah. I, I do practice it. So I think it's important to say, like, it's, it's not like, oh, we learn these things and everything's totally great. Everything's fine. But so what yeah. I'm trying to achieve is like a well-supported connected experience, right. Where I feel like I have the resources for myself and my kids and my relationship with my husband. Um, and so then we, then we can ask the question after we know what we want, what we need, remember that question, what do we need? then we can say, well, how can I get that? And for some of us, that how may be paying. And for some of right. us that how may not be paying, it may be, okay, well, what is available for free? I mean, for everyone listening, this is a free podcast, right? So this is a free right. resource that if you really, you know, if you listen every week to your podcast, like I'm sure there, are there, are, if everyone implemented what you are teaching, right? Like right. You, probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't have any clients. No, just kidding. Because they'd be <laughs> like, she's giving every all of the good information yeah. here. No, I'm joking. Um, But I think really recognizing that some of us really just stop when we don't see an immediate path, mm. especially with the money yeah. one, right? Where it's like, okay, well, I look at, you look at all the different ways I spend my money. I know that I don't have like, you know, um, all those dollars that I want to invest sitting in my bank account. So the answer is no, I can't, I can't have that thing. Oftentimes, if you give yourself a chance to really explore, well, what are my options? There's sometimes a way you can say, well, you know what my option is, I'm going to pick up two extra hours um, of work. And, you know, obviously this is not going to work for everybody, but like pick up two extra hours or I'm going to, you know, cut out my cleaner for a couple months or whatever. You know, you, you, you do have more options than a lot of times we realize there's a lot and I'm going to say a lot of supporting organizations that may help you. This is actually really cool. I want to share this for anybody that is part of any particular syndrome or foundation, because something this last year that we did was I had a client and uh, she completed the program. She loved it. And she said, I want to bring this to my syndrome for her child's community. And I want us to sponsor the group as part of our our." our, um, support for this, um, network of, of moms and, and parents actually. So we created a custom program for their program for their wow. group. Excuse me. And so they are scholarships. Like the people in that group aren't paying out of their own pocket. Um, the organization is paying for them Amazing. as a way of supporting. Right. And some of them, like I would yeah. never be able to afford this, but it's like life changing for them. And what's interesting to me about this one. And I, my, fear was if they weren't paying, they weren't going to value it. Mm-hmm. But it's actually the very opposite. Like this group shows up like no other, they do, yeah. they do the in-between work. They, they watch all the modules of education they have. They show up every week for coaching. They, they got oh, each other's back. On. Like, it's amazing. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, if you yeah. get clear on what you want, there are resources. We do have to work through that immediate response of, I don't have that. I can't have that, or I don't see a way. So that's a long way of saying, um, you know, we have to be a little more creative. I think sometimes.
0: Absolutely. And also recognizing it can be hard to be creative when we're in such a, like a deep Mm -hmm. stress space. And this is where, um, for me, what i found the most helpful is like getting outside of myself, if that makes sense. So like, I will talk to my husband. I'll be like, I need you to be logic for me <laughs> because logic is not, it's not working right now. It's like all emotion and he's really good at that. So we'll talk it out and he'll be like, well, we could do ABC or mm-hmm. D like what which, which most sense to you right now. Or if your spouse or your partner isn't in that space to be that for you friends can be really helpful for that. um, or a therapist, right. Um, I have found, um, when we're talking about creating community, I think that's probably one of the harder things to do because it takes, it takes a lot of intentionality and it takes a lot of, um, having to put yourself out there when you're already feeling vulnerable and kind of exposed, if that makes sense, or I'll just speak to myself. That's how I felt. Um, because our, you know, like a lot of people, our daughter was neurotypical until she was seven, right? Seven or eight. I think it's it's all kind of a blur in there. I'm like, I think mm-hmm. she was eight. Mm-hmm. She was yeah, somewhere around there. And um and so friendship dynamics changed, our community changed, our family, like um, you know, extended family dynamics changed as far as what support looked like. And so once I got clear though, and it took me longer than I wish that it had, I wish that I had been so much kinder to myself to recognize how hard it actually was yeah. um, those first two years of her diagnosis. I, I look back and I'm like, gosh, I just want to hug. <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. hug younger me. That was so hard, you know? And I wish that I had not with shame or any condemnation or anything like that, but just like, wow, that was really tough. And the support was absolutely needed. But once I got clear that we were in a space where I needed people to be showing up for me in a different way. Um, I can't remember if I've done an episode on this or not. I just, I reached out to five or six friends and I said, look, we're still in dumpster, dumpster fireville. I don't remember what I called it, but like, Things are still on fire. We'll just put it that way. And we still need a lot of help. And my Mm -hmm. daughter's still having pretty regular neurological flares and regressions at this point in her healing process. And these are the things that I know that I will need on really hard weeks, like somebody to bring me dinner or bring us dinner, somebody to take my youngest child. So she gets a break from the nonsense, right? Somebody to, you know, if you want to just come by and fold two loads of laundry and what I'm asking, and this was my big ask, and this was really hard for me, but my friends were like, I loved it. It was so Mm -hmm. helpful Mm -hmm. to know exactly what you needed. I just said, I'm just going to SOS you and you can pick anything off that list. Like, cause I'm not going to be able to tell you what I need. Like, that's just a fact on those hard weeks. It's not going to happen. And that alone, especially when we didn't, at that point, we had spent our life savings. We had Mm -hmm. tapped into like retirement funds. We had tapped, we tapped into everything that we could. My husband and I were working as hard as we could to bring in extra finances. But the reality was that we didn't have the extra to pay for outside support, like childcare support. And so that was the best resource that we had. And I will say above and beyond it meeting our physical and emotional needs or physical needs of helping to take the load off, right? It brought that sense of safety back that we didn't even know how desperately we were missing that that cuz we you know like i said friendships relationships dynamics really changed for us in that and so you begin to feel very isolated and that's not a good place to be none of us are meant to be there long none of us are you know there are seasons of it but um i think i got so desperate at that point that i was like mm-hmm. i don't really you know if they're going to be the friends that stay then they're going to be the friends that stay and like it's just going to work out one way or the other and once the relief, the weight started to kind of lift, then I noticed I started to have some brain space to kind of brainstorm. And I started reaching out for grants and services, and we ended up getting a respite grant and um, for somebody to come in and give me a break because um, mm-hmm. we're during the summer. And so now she's home all day mm-hmm. long. So it's behaviors all day long, right? There is mm-hmm. no break. And so there are, like you said, those resources available. And I think it just it it kind of reminds me of that song in frozen, do the next right thing Mm -hmm. um, where Anna's trying to get out of the cave. Right. And she's like, just do Mm -hmm. the next right thing. That is a hundred percent what it feels like. I just have to do the next thing. And that's going to help me to figure out the thing after that. It's like, we can't eat the whole elephant at one time. We just have to start taking those, those little action steps to finding the resources that we need. So, um, so I know that's something that for me, I just kind of had to get rid of my cares and my, whatever people thought of me and just, just find, find a way, find a way through the madness.
1: Well, what I also want to highlight, cause it's, I mean, it's just such a great example of like the resources that you found. I want to highlight though, the one thing you did have to do is to step into that extra vulnerability. I think what's really hard is that you were already so vulnerable because the life that you were living just in your home, like mm-hmm. I experienced like gosh like when you mm-hmm. when the well-being of your family is at stake it's very very vulnerable. And Absolutely. then you had to go to that next level of being able to actually say I need help. And to me I think that's very vulnerable. It um is. even though like intellectual like oh no I want to help anybody and like you know like we have a lot of mind um mm-hmm. beliefs around it but we have something a little deeper that actually is is undermining that. So I, that's why I think yeah. it's so very vulnerable, but it's beautiful that you were able to get high enough in the clarity of like, okay, these are the things I might need when I'm really in the thick of it. So that, and also acknowledging that in the moment, you won't know that because that's brilliant that you can identify that. Um, and so I don't know, like, I hope, um, that others will follow that lead of what you did. Um, because certain times people outside of our world they see certain, certain things and they're like, oh, you probably need some help now. Right. So like when we have an hospitalization, they're like, that's a cue. Oh, maybe she needs some help. But what they don't realize is that like our regular life with appointments and therapies and all the different things has its own challenges too. So that's where it does rely on us to share our story. And like I said, it's vulnerable. So
0: It is so vulnerable. And it was so hard for me. And I I remember sending it and like, I want to undo send so bad. Mm -hmm. But iPhone didn't have that feature yet. So I couldn't do it. (laughs) It was before that feature, but I was like, I'm going to send it and like run away to another room because this is so Mm -hmm. uncomfortable for me. But I did end up getting, you know, even more detailed of like, I had friends that they had the finances. They're like, Can we bring you groceries? Can we go grocery shopping for you this week? And so I literally thank God for like the Instacart app. I would just put stuff on that list and screenshot it to them and like get whatever you want. Like any of this is going to bless us. So, like, It's just something, it's the one less thing that I have to do because maybe you can't outsource somebody driving your child Mm -hmm. to the therapy appointment because you have to be there because you have to talk to the therapist and you have to get feedback and you have to like, there are things that only we can do in the journey. And so I think that's where we have to get really, really clear, even beyond the, what do I need with what is not dependent on me to do? Like, what can anybody else do? Anybody can clean a toilet, right? Totally. Um, anybody can fold laundry.
1: <laughs> I want to add something here that I think it's important for us to acknowledge is that back, you know, we we're talking about being emotionally dysregulated and that's um, um w- when we are in fight or flight, we are often very controlling because we're trying to control our exterior environment to control our interior experience. And so this control piece, I think is where a lot of women particularly get misled, because mm. being in that control, control state, they're not able to see what they can actually allow other people into. And so yeah. I think it's important to acknowledge that because a lot of people would say, well, nobody can come in and help my child the way I do. Yeah. And mm, I don't agree. I don't agree. Um no one's going to be their mother, but I do agree. I would say that it's probably possible that somebody can care for your child if they learn not maybe day one. Right. So that's just an example of where if you're in a place where you're like, nobody can help with anything. I have to do it all. I want that to be a little red flag to be like, Hmm, Mm -hmm. what maybe am I not seeing because I am in a state of survival or fear or just feeling over vulnerable. So want to mention that.
0: No, I think that's really, really good. And I, and I, I think um, I've definitely been challenged with that at different points because, you know, part of our journey was um, not, not medication management. We didn't end up going the route of medication for her, but we did do other like medicinal um, therapies with specialists and things like that. And so, and they're very like titrated, very specific. I mean, you know, exactly what that's like, um, insulin is no joke. Right. And ours Mm -hmm. was not that, but it was a similar, similar type of way of thinking where it's very specific based on a lot of different variables throughout the day, stress, diet, you know, sleep infections, all of those things. And so, um, but my husband and I were like, we desperately need a break. Like we need to be able to go out of town and she's at a place where she's fairly stable, but I now have to teach somebody how to do this and, and what to look for, to know when those things are right. So that they can give her Mm -hmm. the appropriate dose at Mm -hmm. the appropriate time. And, um, and it was hard because I'm like, am I actually going to be able to enjoy going out of town? Because I'm going to be thinking about it the whole time. And, but it was somebody we trusted somebody that I knew would communicate very clearly with, with me, um, at any point in the journey, but it was like, it's like leaving your baby for the first time. I kind Mm -hmm, of describe mm -hmm. it like that in, in the realm of special needs parenting, because if we have that belief that we're the only one that can do this job, I mean, we really doesn't even have to be perfect. I'm just like, I mean, keep them alive. Most of the time, (laughs) keep them alive (laughs) and maybe a little bit more than that. And we'll be okay. You know, we'll be okay Mm -hmm. for two hours. So I do think, um, letting go of that is hard and recognizing the anxiety or the fear, like what is the real fear that you have? behind that. Yeah. Because it's never just control, right? There's always fear behind it. And so what is my fear behind that? Is my fear that we're going to have a really bad day the next day and can we handle that as a family? Is my fear that um something horrible is going to happen when I'm gone and it's going to you know like all of us have those different fears so I think even giving room like you said to one be aware that if you're thinking that way there's some red flags but two diving into that a little bit deeper and saying, why, why am I afraid of this? And is this something that I need more tools to work
1: through? Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. And we actually had just to give a recent example of this. So two years ago, um, when my daughter started school and I know we're we're wrapping up here, but, um, I think this gives a really good example of, the whole dysregulation thing that can happen very, very suddenly. And sometimes you don't even see it coming, honestly. Like you might Mm -hmm. think that you're so far beyond that hospitalization that was so traumatizing or that experience that was so traumatizing. Right. And then there's just something that boom brings it all right back to the surface. And again, Not really your mind, it's your nervous system. And then your Mm -hmm. mind is responding to your nervous system. So, two years ago, uh, my daughter had a massive regression flare, neurological flare that we didn't see coming. She'd never had problems in school before, never had school refusal before, even though that's actually really common for kids with pandas to have school refusal, uh, school anxiety, whatever you want to call it. And something happened two weeks into the school year where she could not get into the classroom. I could not physically get her out of the car. And we tried for like six weeks, all of the different strategies, getting the school counselor on board. That was a whole other horrible experience that I won't go into. And so every year when school starts, I start to have this panicky feeling. Right. Yeah. Now this year it was like, 90% 90% improved upon last year. Last year it was like 3 months before school started I was just a hot mess. <laughs> this year it was like 3 days before and I'm like, okay, this is this is kind of a normal response given what I've walked through before. This is there's a lot of variables to this. I was able to fairly regulate myself with that. Um but there's still She got sick the second week of school and had some neurological symptoms and started to have some school anxiety. And so then I'm brought into this place of there's Mm -hmm. still some more trauma here. Mm -hmm. There's still some fear here that I need to know. I need to address that. And then just giving yourself that permission. Like I had to give myself permission to clear my schedule a little bit. I'm going to make room for this big thing that feels really big to me right now. It won't be so big later but right now it's really big and was able to get in and do some EMDR and different breath work stuff and felt just immensely better. So there are some times where like I could recognize that all the tools that I had at home, the tapping, the breathing, the, uh, sleep, you know, stuff that I was doing wasn't enough for that particular trauma or particular memory or, or what have you. So, um, I don't remember what my point was with that other than to say, That, um, that it kind of ties back into your point about like, we don't really get there. Like there's no there to get where we're never anxious. We're never fearful. We're never sad or disappointed. And I think having that expectation of ourselves sets us up for shame, right. And, and lacking in self-compassion and then not being able to move forward because we're kind of in that mind web.
1: Yeah. I really had a hard time giving up on the idea that there's not a place of arrival. (laughs) I held on. I held on tight to that idea. (laughs) Um yeah. I don't uh, like it either. Man, wouldn't it be great if there was though? See, I'm still having a hard time letting go. I know.
0: I haven't accepted uh, it
1: yet, Kara. I'm not there yet. (laughs) I'm still I I think I'm probably, if I'm honest, still working on that too. But um I, you know, and I think it's a good example of, you know, we're we can make so much progress. And like I said, like, you know, I I thought I was rocking and rolling. Um, until about two years ago, and then I realized, okay, still a lot still a lot to work on here, um, which is great, yeah. you know, um, and awful.
0: <laughs> it's time. great and awful, yeah, it keeps us humble in a certain kind of way, and it does you know, it's just I kind of look at it like this is the journey, this side of heaven, you know, like it's not uh-huh. perfect. it's messy, it's difficult, and yet we can still choose to make something good out of, we can still choose to show up differently in spite of that. Like, I'm not going to allow these circumstances to determine whether or not I'm going to fight for joy, you know, or fight for health or a healthy relationship in my marriage or my kids to grow up, you know, feeling supported and loved in spite of this difficult thing that we're walking through. And I think you teach that so well. Um, and I loved, I loved everything that you shared. I feel like we could probably do like a whole bunch more episodes on that, just Mm -hmm. all of the different nuances of this, but I would love for you to share if you have any like final parting thoughts, um, and then where people
1: can find you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see parting thoughts. I mean, I think what comes to mind is, um, I think what we often don't realize is a lot of this starts, a lot of the work starts with simple shifts in being kind and compassionate to ourselves. Mm -hmm. This is a, this is a skill that I was particularly bad at. And I I love this story because I think it is like you said, you look back at your previous version of yourself and you just want to give her a hug. I Mm -hmm. knew that I didn't have, I didn't understand compassion to be perfectly honest. I remember Googling, how do I have self-compassion? I was like, I am so profoundly confused about this. I'm Googling it. If only chat GDP was there. Cause like maybe they would have given me a step-by-step right. guide, but I was really, and you can tell I was intellectually trying yeah. to do compassion. Right. And I, again, I love that story because it does show our capacity for growth.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And I hope everyone's like laughing at me in a loving kind of way right now. Um, But I share that because um, it's not huge, huge shifts that you just boom make, it's like being 1% more kind to yourself, bringing 1% of kindness and compassion to yourself. Like that makes the biggest difference in the world. So that's what Mm -hmm. I want to leave everybody with. And if you're kind of like, uh, I don't know how to do that. Okay. Go back to the part where we talked about getting support and help and community because community is really, really good for this. So, Um, and then where to find me. Um, so I'm easily found um, on all the podcast uh, players at the special needs mom podcast. And that is also my Instagram handle, the special needs mom pod, the special needs mom podcast. And I also I'll mention I have a a, a podcast group um, that is a closed community. It's, it's really only um, it's pretty I heavily guarded um, from other people trying to get in there and advertise stuff and be creepos. Um, yes. but it's a place where, you know, I just offer like other opportunities to connect. Um, we kind of do some monthly huddles is what I call them. Awesome. Um, so that's a great resource as well. That is free. Um, so, um, very easy to access. So I'd love to hear from anybody. If anyone has any questions or wants to hear more about anything, like, um, I'm easy to, I'm easy to find.
0: Yes, you are. And her podcast is amazing. If any of this resonated with you, I cannot recommend it enough. I frequently, I don't, I'm not always able to binge watch binge, listen to every episode, but definitely, you know, in weeks where I'm like, I really need, I need some Kara in my life. I need some support. I need the stories. I need the the nuggets right now, you know, um, absolutely cannot recommend her enough. So thank you again, Kara for spending time with me today and just encouraging Um, my listeners. um, I hope they definitely take you up on the opportunity to follow you and learn from you. And thank you so much again for being on today.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. A rich conversation and thank you for who you are in the world and how you serve your people.
0: Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's a joy.